Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Actually Genoa podcast. And this is a special one, it's our first one on camera, um, so do bear with us because we're still getting to grips with it. Um, but today we're talking about cults. And um, we've selected a few here and we've both taken two each. Um, so we're going to go through them one by one and yeah, just talk through them. And we might give a, a, a bit of a bit of a breakdown of cults and in general, sort of what draws people to them and the effects they have and and all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, no, we felt it would be a decent carry on from uh, religion because. Well, I mean, people have questioned what the difference between a cult and a religion is. So it's very easy to intermingle the two. I mean, it just it seemed like the right episode to move on to next. And it was a nice, lighthearted one to start our first video with. Um, so hopefully, or we thought that hopefully people would, you know, have an interest in watching the video, maybe just for the sake that the content of the actual audio itself was quite interesting still. Yeah, Um yeah, well, the, the two were as well named the ones we, we decided to research a bit. So I said I'd cover Scientology and the Children of God or the Family or the Family International, whatever you know it as or don't know it as. It's had a few different names and Luke said he'd cover... Yeah, so I did um, the People's Temple. Uh, you probably know it better from the Jonestown Massacre, which was... Until 9-11 was the most American civilian casualties in a single non-natural event. Which is a bit of a, you know, a bit of a heavy thing. And the Heaven's Gate cult as well, which is an old, another mass suicide. So I picked some very, very fun... <laughs> yeah, very light-hearted, <laughs> conversational ones to, to go yeah. with. Um, and as well, like Luke said, this is probably more to those of you listening on just the audio we're going to be trying to address you watching to a fair extent because it's our first one we don't really know how to yeah how to judge it up and see what what's what and what deserves the majority of the attention so if you feel like it's it's different in any way it's because it is yeah and hopefully you just bear with us and while we're trying to get used to it and you know we'll watch back the episode and, and see what it looks like and what it sounds like and everything and hopefully the content will stay to the level that it was at, not that that level was insanely high as it was. Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting a bit of a disorientation here because I'm looking at the camera. I No, I'm looking at the camera, and then I'm looking at the display, and then I'm trying to speak into the microphone, and I'm getting a bit confuzzled here, but... Yeah, it's kind of hard because, you know, when, when it's just the two of us sitting here and we're just doing the audio, like the talking into the mic comes natural because it's just there in front of you and then yeah. we're spending our time between looking at laptops and looking at each other because you know when you're having a conversation with someone it's just it's the natural thing to do like yeah. to make eye contact to a certain extent but um now with balancing the three like still look <laughs> there's far harder things to do and even if you listen back to our last episode that was a harder conversation to have so we can't really make any complaints or any excuses for ourselves but just bear with us and that we're getting used to it like we're sure we can come accustomed to it pretty quickly. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. Also, I can't see the visuals, so Luke has aforementioned that if there's any issues, you let me know, but hopefully there won't be. I can't see why there would be. You never know. Um, 
Anyway, so I think I'll just jump into it with the uh, People's Temple cult, uh, which was the, the which was responsible for the Jonestown massacre. Um, oh yeah, actually, before you get into it, sorry for interrupting, but uh, I say this is the same with the conspiracy theory episode in that. I don't really know much about either of the ones. Yeah. Obviously, everyone's heard of the Jonestown Massacre, but I don't yeah. know much about it. He doesn't know that much about the ones I was looking up. We just yeah. tried to keep it as much where I'm reacting to it the same way that the audience will be reacting to it. Or, exactly, yeah. You know, thinking it through. Anyway, sorry. All right, so the People's Temple cult was led by Jim Jones. Um, he was born James Warren Jones um, in May 19th, 1931 in Indiana. And he was born into quite a poor family. And his there was documentaries about it and his friends, well, he didn't really have friends, but uh, people around his neighborhood sort of described him as a really weird kid. One guy, one guy in a documentary called uh, Jonestown, The Life and Death of People's Temple, said he was obsessed with religion and obsessed with death. And a friend of his told him that he saw him kill a cat with a knife. And what he used to do was... Healthy, healthy childhood behaviour. Yeah, what he used to do was um, he'd collect loads of animals and bring them into his barn because he lived in a rural town at first. Bring them into a barn and then do services for them. And then when, the, when one of the animals died, he'd do a funeral and give a big, powerful speech. And that's why he killed the cat because he had no... No cats were dying, so he had to make a funeral. He had to practice, like, yeah. But he was very weird, <laughs> and looking back, you can probably see that he would have been responsible for one of the biggest mass suicides in history, because he would have been around during World War Two. Like he was a child then, and his friends said that he was weirdly, he was weirdly impressed by Hitler's suicide. When Hitler committed suicide, he was like, oh, "What a legend!" Everyone was after him, he just killed himself. I feel like any level of being impressed is kind of weirdly <laughs> yeah. impressed. Yeah, so um, that was him. So he was very neglected as a child. Um, he was very poor and he was very outcast. Like he didn't get on with people, not just because he was a weird child, but because he was poor and everything. So he he was actually very famous for being a, a black rights activist. He He became a pastor in a local church because it was the only place he could actually, you know, exercise any bit of power. But also he felt he felt sort of um, accepted there as well. So he this was in the in the 1960s when just black people didn't have any rights. You know, there was separate black churches. And if you were in a mixed church, the black people are in the back, white people in the front. But he was a big advocate of fully integrated churches, women, whatever, you know, gays, anything under the sun, which might have been, at the time, very uh, very discriminated against. He didn't care. He wanted to make a community in which everyone was accepted. So he became a pastor, and eventually he started his own, his own church, which originally was not called People's Temple. It was called, like, uh, something like Community Unity. And he'd go around and knock on everyone's door or whatever. But that was his mission. But in saying that, he was a self-professed agnostic or atheist. <clears throat> he was just big into communism, which is a red flag for me. Communism and mass death go hand in hand. <laughs> but yeah, 
he was a communist and the way he wanted to spread these communist ideals obviously come from a poor family he wanted to you know create equality so he he thought the way to do it was religion so he created this this church people's temple and the way he attracted attention to it was doing faith healings he was so man for doing it man he he didn't he didn't create it like he got inspiration and he got teaching from this fella called Father Divine, who also ran a cult. Hilarious name as well. If his wife is Mother Divine. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, he saw the draw that faith healings had and how how much they solidified your cause. He started doing faith healings and he'd do the obvious thing of just planting audience members and he did one over and over. I don't know how people didn't catch on. He got one of his secretaries to come in and the, into the place in a wheelchair and then he'd like you over there walk up to the altar and she'd be like no I'm I'm crippled I can't and he'd just be like and then she'd walk and she'd run up to the altar and everyone would be like yeah <laughs> and this is the biggest power move ever there was people that came to his services purely just to disagree with him to you know they're out and out skeptics so on the way in, like he was spying on everybody. He'd slip uh, drugs into their drinks or whatever. He'd drug them in some way so that during the service they'd actually pass out. So it'd look as if they had died during the service. So that everyone would be like, oh shit, we better not disagree with him. But when they came back to consciousness, he made it as though he saved their lives. So they'd be there passed out on the thing. <laughs> he'd just be like... <laughs> But the best one was a woman was drugged as well in church and she passed out. And when she woke up, the church staff told her she'd broken her leg and they put a cast in her and everything. Oh my God. Yeah. So she came back to church the next oh. week <laughs> and he goes, he goes, walk up to me right now. And she goes, I can't, I have a broken leg. And he goes, he takes off the cast. Not anymore. And she walks and she was like, oh my God, I can walk, I can walk. Um, it's as if her leg wasn't actually broken in the first place but that's not my business (laughs) but yeah basically he started getting more and more popular and he started getting more sort of uh, scared of the threat of uh, nuclear nuclear war because this was around the time of um, you know post World War 2 it was very tensions were rising and all that sort of stuff so he first moved his followers over to a place in California that was on a list of the top 10 places not to die in a nuclear holocaust. Oh. And a few people moved over there, but the US government was sort of getting very, you know, skeptical of him because he's such a big following and he was a big communist, big commie, and, you know, he was doing some very backhanded things. Like he was getting loads and loads of money from this so he went to venezuela to a place called guiana and founded jonestown it's just a commune there for you know it's meant to be utopia socialist communist utopia whatever and eventually he got 900 over 900 people to to go there and the reason as well was once you're there you're not going to leave where are you going to go you know, like, he got everyone to sign over their, like, uh, social security checks and everything and their earnings and, 
you're not going to get out of there. You yeah. leave. Sure, you don't. Yeah, want once to. you're brainwashed in the state to to get in there in the first place, what are the yeah. chances of? Yeah. What, like, if you were heavily influenced by it when you're not totally surrounded by it, when you're totally surrounded yeah. by it, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. So he had everyone in this compound with armed guards everywhere, and if you ever listen to clips of the stuff he'd be playing over intercoms, it's the scary shit ever. He would twenty four seven just be blaring sermons. And he'd have so much stuff that he couldn't fit it all. So he had to write over tapes. So it's just a mess of <laughs> God will save you when you're trying to sleep and everything. Um, so yeah, people weren't happy. And there was word getting back to the US from families of uh, sort of disgruntled followers. So a senator named Leo Ryan, or US uh, representative, I'm not sure what the distinction there is, went over to investigate and um, Jones wasn't too happy but he in the end of the day he had to he had to oblige so your man came and as he was leaving he goes if anyone wants to come at me now do like you know if you want to leave come now so a few few people left and Jones saw this as like this is this is it so he sent a a a minibus filled with uh, armed armed guards whatever to the airport and just as they're about to get on the plane he shot he shot your man the senator and i think he killed four and injured a few others and then when that when the word got back to the camp he goes look the venezuelans or the americans are going to kill us now and he cited some quote from this guy that it was better to kill yourself and get killed by somebody else so what he did was he made a big, a big concoction of uh, Kool-Aid. Well, it was Flavor-Aid. Kool-Aid company is very adamant that it wasn't their brand. <laughs> but yeah, a big uh, load of uh, Flavor-Aid and mixed it with cyanide. And he got... There's videos of the actual uh, speeches or recordings of the speeches that he gave. And you can hear the children crying and everything. So he, gave, he said, give it to the children first and then give it... To the rest of them, and uh, it was ruled as a mass suicide at first, but at the same time, there was armed guards all over the place. And if you didn't drink it there, you're gonna get shot anyway. So, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, 914 people died, including him. Uh, if you ever see pictures of it, it's Oh, it's ridiculous! Like yeah, like like Luke. Uh, when we were thinking up this idea, Luke mentioned it, and I hadn't seen it. Yeah, and and for anyone that's watching, just look, just look up Jonestown massacre. Yeah, and look up images, and it's the craziest shit you're. Oh yeah, like you're ever going to see. Um, <clears throat> I left out this part here, uh, just for a, f- a bit of a funny, a bit of a funny one. At first, he was against <laughs> going from nine hundred people dying to a bit of a funny one is, is a questionable on, segue. But hey, we got to leave it on a good note. But Jones was against making his followers abstain from sex, and this father divine guy did did just that in his cult. And Jones is like, never. But Jones wanted to have as much power as possible over his over his disciples, so he he made them abstain from sex. But he was notorious for, like, going out and, you know, even the followers, he'd be like, 
I don't want to do this, but it's the only way we can, we can connect. So you have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he even had a secretary manage his fuck his fuck schedule, which is what he called it. But the funny I was going to say, if that's not a quote, that's the weirdest thing you've said in the whole no, podcast so far. No, that's what it was. But the funniest thing, he got arrested. The charges were later dropped, but he got arrested for trying to solicit um, a male prostitute in Los Angeles. And his followers were like, firstly, like, what happened to abstinence? And then secondly, wait, you're gay? And to that, he said, quote, no, this is a quote from someone else saying what Jim Jones said. But he said, quote, Jim said that all of us were homosexuals. Everyone except him. He was the only heterosexual. (laughs) 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 He was the only heterosexual on the planet. And that all the women were all lesbians. And all the guys were all gay. (laughs) So he said... He said as well, any urge to be with the opposite sex was you trying to make up for your gayness. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Take that uh, as you may. Yeah, but, um, you can see... He to, no, just to think that the same guy that said that was able to, you know, yeah. brainwash 900 people to come to a, a commune in Venezuela and, and die with them. Yeah, and the funniest thing is, he'd stop at nothing to convince people. And he tried to get more followers by, once that Father Divine guy died, he went to that guy's commune, his cult, and he walked in the front gate, and he goes, it's me, it's Father Divine, I've been reincarnated as Jim Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. And only a few people followed him. (laughs) But yeah, he also said that he was... He was uh, the reincarnated oh. form of Mahatma Gandhi. Oh my God! <laughs> Jesus, Buddha, <laughs> and Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and wait, what? What year was it? So he was born in 1931, and the whole thing happened I think in the 70s or something. No? November 18th, 1978. So to think that, like. Like, that our parents were alive when people were able to be convinced by this guy about this thing is... Oh, my God. But one thing I might I must add, though, is that... Okay, when he had the commune in Venezuela, it was fairly... That was the point at which it was ridiculous. But before that, he was the first person... He had a... His, he adopted loads of, like, uh... uh Fuck, I can't think of the word. He adopted loads of foreign children. So he had, uh, like, a black son, three Ameri- or three Korean sons, one Native American daughter, and all of his churches were non-segregated. He had soup kitchens. He had rehabilitation clinics. He had uh, an old person's home. He had everything under the sun. He was doing so much good for the community. And loads of people joined to do good. Yeah. And then... They sort of got swayed when, you know, they weren't really thinking that he was Buddha reincarnated, but they were doing it because of that. And then that's why he drew so many people in. Um, Jeez, like, 
when people hear of like if you if you don't look into it at all and all you hear is Jonestown Massacre like like you're not expecting to hear yeah. half that stuff and you're definitely not expecting to laugh at some of the things he said but like if, if you're listening to that and, and not smiling so, I, I don't I don't understand your sense of humour to be honest yeah but like <laughs> that's the thing like there's some stuff there that's so funny and then you sort of have to take a step back and be like fuck this is 914 people like yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, who was it? I think it was Putin. The no, not Putin. Sorry, but Stalin said about the, you know, something about like one person dying and it's a death, and loads of people dying and it's statistics. A million dying is a statistic. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's kind of that when it seems when it's so many people and it's a while ago and it's so far from us, it's hard. Yeah. Like obviously you know it's a terrible thing and like if you look at the pictures like they're really moving pictures and that you if you consider these people as family members of other it's crazy yeah like but also when you're just discussing things that this guy said without us being able to like obviously that's all we attribute him to is it's the massacre but um like when you're just listening to that like yeah i think it's a normal enough reaction it's it's got reaction like yeah like even when we're doing episode two on evil and I re- was reading that book, Ordinary Men, by, forget his name, something Browning. Christopher um, Browning. Christopher Browning, yeah. Um, obviously, everyone knows that there's about 6 million Jews that died during the Holocaust. But you think of that and you're like, that's a big number. But you don't have much more... To be honest, most of the time you're more horrified when you hear someone, one person being murdered yeah. in your town or whatever. That's ridiculous. But then when I was reading the book... He did so many accounts of like a thousand people being killed. Yeah, it, it's hard and, to fathom yeah, what that means. Yeah, and it's like, it's hard to imagine how bad a thousand people is. But then you realise in six million there's, I, I don't want to do that, I don't can't do the maths right now, but there's so many thousands. Six thousand, I think. Yeah, whatever it is, yeah. But anyway, so um, obviously it's a, it's a very, very, tragic event but there is a, a few quotes there that were that were uh, definitely yeah and um that's actually it's good that you started with that because i'm going to go on to talk about the uh, children of god now and it's funny how much well, it's not funny but it, it, it's just weird how many similarities there are between jim jones and the founder of the the children of god so for anyone who, who's not familiar with the Children of God, I wasn't until we decided to do this episode and we were looking up different ideas and, and that was one that just, um, it fell to me. And if you look at it at all, it's just, it's pretty interesting. But for anyone that's not familiar, go and look up David Berg. David Berg's the founder of the Children of God and this man looks like the craziest bag of shit that you're ever going to see mm. in your life. Like, I, like it, the thought of people following this guy with the way he looks, is absolutely insane, and I, I don't understand it at all. Yeah. But the stories actually is, is crazy. So, like, in the like the 17th century, David Berg's ancestors emigrated from German Germany to the United States. They were German Jews, and, and they left to go to the United States for religious freedom. So religion was always in his family and his ancestry, and that carried on into his parents, 
So I think it was his father got involved with a, a certain organisation, a religious organisation, and then that carried down onto his mother. And his mother married a fella who the father got into the same way of thinking and they all got involved in the same um, religion. And they all became evangelical uh, preachers and Christians. And, and the mother was quite a big deal in the group in that she, you know, travelled the world, or travelled the country anyways, preaching and... It was just, she was a really big deal. And so he grew up in that sort of lifestyle, you know, in the back of a van, travelling around the country. Um, but a massive part of his childhood was that when he was three, he got molested by his babysitter. So the woman that they had minding him molested him. And the mother dealt with it by firing the woman. And that's all that was done. So mm. there was no charges pressed. There was nothing said to David when he was growing up. Um no coping mechanisms put in place, anything like that. And I mean, if you think about it, the, like he's three, so in a way you'd be kind of thinking that he'd forget yeah. about it or he wouldn't realise it. But like mm. with the way his life went on, it, it's 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 quite clear once you see that that it definitely had a lasting impact on on his life. Um, Yeah, so, so he grew up his whole life being really religious and travelling around with his mother and driving her, being the chauffeur and stuff like that. And... When he was, you know, in his teenage years and going through puberty, he kind of developed some weird um, sexual characteristics and sexual ideas and stuff like that. And he he became basically a chronic masturbator. And, like, his mother used to not... It wasn't like she saw this was happening and related that back to what happened when he was three. So she saw this happening and she really shamed him on it. So like sometimes there was times when he'd be caught in the van doing it and she'd like hold his hands so that he couldn't get more privacy. So he couldn't cover up himself or like at one time they were at a family dinner and he was doing it and she brought him out in front of the family. Um, yeah, but even throughout this, like this, this stuff was happening, but he really kept a a close relationship with his mother. Mm. Um, like she was a really dominating figure in his life, um, and that kind of lasted until she died. That she was this overarching matriarchal figure that he couldn't. He always felt inferior to her, um, and that obviously shaped a lot of his religious beliefs and things like that. But uh, then he, his parents tried to get him as a minister or into a ministry, but he ended up leaving because there was allegations made of sexual assault on, uh, I think she was 17 and he was 20 maybe, uh, between 20 and 23. So obviously it was illegal and, and that they moved him on from that ministry. They let him go or kicked him out, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, and he went to college anyways and he started getting into philosophy and socialism. So um, he began to find in religion that that was the true way of getting towards a more socialist utopia that like this capitalist society you know it echoes greed and selfishness and Mm. the preaching god's word and everything like that you know leads you down another path that's more righteous and, and and stuff like that so at that time as well he was kind of moving further from what his mother and his father's you know what their group's beliefs would have been um and he started and he moved he moved to i can't remember quite where it was 
but he oh he moved to Huntington Beach where his no I think he he started preaching somewhere in the middle of the country and he he married a woman and he had three kids I think um and he molested his kids but uh it happened because he was going around preaching and stuff like that um he was involved with a certain ministry um and he was involved going around preaching and you know he'd be on these trips and he'd say to his daughter like this you know your mother's not fulfilling my sexual needs and obviously his daughter had the inclination that this was wrong but she was kind of young at the time as well i'm not sure yeah. was she 11 she she wrote a memoir actually about the whole thing um so it happened anyways that he 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 did molest all of his kids at, at some stage but after that he w- he was kind of moving around and he never quite felt like he was gaining too much power anywhere and that's kind of always what he wanted he liked being you know this control and figure but his mother had been preaching or she she was working in a place that was half a coffee shop half a center for her faith or whatever in Huntington Beach California and that's where the cult started like that's the known spawn ground of it Mm. so he moved there anyways and he was really in his element when he was there so he he began working there as well and it kind of began to phase out like his mother like it this was a time in the 60s when the hippie movement was massive and rebellious movement was massive so the fact that he was preaching this socialist kind of religion that you know people that the the system was out to get you and this and that and it was kind of it was aimed at well i don't know if it was aimed but it definitely got the tightest grip on teenagers like i think it before it was uh children of god i think it was like teens for christ or something like that or something like that um and so he got a, a quite an accumulation of of teenagers following his way of thinking um and anyways, he there was this. I think his mother died when he was there, and that kind of was the moment when he felt like he was gaining the most control. So they moved. He had about a hundred followers or so, and they moved to they spent a night in the desert, and in the desert he met this other woman called. Um, I might be able to get her name here actually. Oh yeah, Karen Zerby. So Jane Miller was his original wife, and Karen Zerby was a woman that he met on that night, and her views aligned very well with his own. Uh, and he left his wife and his kids there and spent the night with this woman in in the caravan. So his wife was used to him having uh, sex outside of their marriage, and she she knew about his his sex with underage kids and stuff like that as well, but. He had kind of them into the way of thinking that this was okay mm. somehow. Um, but this Karen Zerby one became like, they became like that. They became enveloped in each other and she was the woman that was going to lead this faith with him. So he wanted to be known as Moses David. So, and she was... Her name changed as well to another religious name that I can't think of, but like they just got completely enveloped in their own thinking, and she organized with someone to 
moved to I'm not sure another part in the middle of the country um, and they spent the night in a barn and he preached for 19 hours straight and uh, they thought that like this guy was everything and when his mother when his mother had died he became and after that 19 hours of preaching he went from being a preacher to being a prophet so he began to see himself as a prophet and that's kind of when the group began to change a fair bit because it wasn't now that he was spreading the word of God. It was that he was receiving the word of God and he was going to interpret it and give it to these people. Yeah. So then he, he kind of, it never became a commune in the sense of Jonestown. He, it was always a massive part was spreading this to other people. Mm. So uh, like the thing is, it's, it's crazy because they spent a lot of time like that. People went to South America, Mexico, they went to Europe, like, at one stage, he had kind of thought that when the end of days comes, that America will be the first to go because of the way it's conducted itself yeah. so that they targeted these more socialist countries, you know, South America, uh, Europe, countries at that time were, you know, considering that possibility. Um, but there was a time when he began to get very suspicious of everything. And he kind of began to seclude himself from the group. So <laughs> there was a period when he just started moving away from the group. And they stopped seeing him. <clears throat> Even in pictures, they began to cover his face with a cartoon lion. Um, <laughs> and instead, they received these things called Mo letters from him. So it was because he was Moses that they received Mo letters. And in these Mo letters, it was his teaching from God. Uh, and like they were very colloquial written letters and it was just this was what the group was to abide by and as time went on it kind of got stricter and stricter and throughout the whole thing there had been this element of sex being okay and and it began to grow more and more a, a prominent part of the faith so he was kind of saying that you know God's always there like the way to spread God's love is through sex like it, it, we were given sex because God wanted to show us how much he loves us and, the, and this and that. And it was very much uh, polygamous relationships. You know, people were having sex with other partners when they were married and things like this. But he, I think it, it was 3,000 more letters he had written over a 10-year period or maybe 20-year period, which is quite a lot of letters. Like he, he just, at a point when he became very secluded, he moved from America to the UK excuse me and he began to write a lot about what they called uh, or he began to institute this idea of flirty fishing so I heard about this yeah so the whole idea mm. with flirty fishing was that the women of the group would go out mm. and have sex with men in yeah. an attempt to get them into the group yeah it was in another cult as well I'd say it's in a, any a cult that few, devolves yeah. into a sex cult like it further devolves into roping people in with sex. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this idea, it, like when he got really secluded, his uh, his daughter writes about it in the memoir and she says this, you know, he became an alcoholic. So like for 20 years, this guy was writing more letters as an alcoholic, dictating what everything people should do with their lives. Like it became so, like he was telling people how many uh pieces of toilet paper they should use and everything like he wanted to be in control of every aspect of their life and it just it was insane 
and uh, even he used uh, his wife, the Karen, as like for this flirty fishing. Like they'd go out to a club and she'd start talking to a guy and bring her home, bring him home and have sex. And like both throughout and after the sex, she'd be confessing her faith and everything to this fella and you know, telling them that this is a blessing from God and all this, which is absolutely whack. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine you go out in the pool and you're just there, like, talking about God. Oh, like, I, I just... And the thing is, they say that they got over 100,000 converts with this method. How many? 100,000. And obviously, obviously those numbers can't be the case. But at the same time, it's not an insignificant... Um, number of people that were in the cult like recent records have even shown that there there could be 20,000 people still involved in this in this faith and like that's that's very large but also when you compare it to other ones like Scientology where there's millions or Mormonism where there's millions yeah. and Scientology and stuff like it's it's a mediocre sized cult but um, it it always uh, had this strong sexual inclination that made it okay to almost forced sex on other people that made it okay to sexually abuse kids and I think that's where people got their massive problem with it obviously but like um, the main reason he began to get so uh, like he began to think so inward and seclude himself from everything was because he was nervous about these groups that were protesting against the cult Um, so obviously he didn't want to show it to the group but uh, he, he, he kept to himself but at one point him and Karen Zerby mm. were in Costa. It was I don't know. Was it, I think it was somewhere in Spain. So that that's where they had moved to at this point. And she had sex with this fella as part of this flirty yeah. fishing. And nine months later, she gave birth to a child, and that child's name was Ricky Rodriguez. Um, and Ricky, uh, David started to say was. You know, he was the chosen one. That this this man was was the next in line to take over the faith once he left. Uh, and Ricky, at a point, wasn't told who his mother was, and was moved out from the group. And later on, Ricky found his mother and killed her, and then killed himself. So I mean, like all of it, like with any of these cults, there's always that aspect where. It's really terrible, and then it peaks at someone gets killed or someone murders another yeah. person. Like loads <clears> of these. It's a uh, domino effect, like. Yeah, like I, there's women who were in the cult that recalled knowing 100 people who committed suicide since leaving the cult. Like, but then there's people who like there's famous people who've come out of this cult. Like Joaquin Phoenix and River Phoenix were both born, born into, into this cult. Yeah. There was another actress I can't remember her name, like. It it had quite a big reach, and like obviously, Calif- Huntington Beach, California, at that time was a massive, like youth destination, and yeah. it just it gained such control yeah. over these people's lives. But it was obviously the manner in which the faith yeah. was preached that was was the massive problem. Yeah. This is like the height of like the sexual liberation sort yeah. of thing as well. Yeah, so exactly. So it tied into that whole free yeah. sex kind of movement. Yeah, like a lot of people. Probably would have joined it just... <clears throat> they don't care about what they're preaching, but... Yeah, yeah, just free sex. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. No, like, it is... It's honestly... It's a crazy fucking story. But he ended up dying in, like, um, 94. 
and Karen took over the faith and she ended up marrying a guy who had been like an assistant or something. Um, and I think, I think she, obviously she was killed by Ricky Rodriguez. Um, and yeah, that other guy is still carrying on the faith, but I don't think it's as centralized as it was when, when David Berg was in charge. But again, please listen to what I said. Don't listen to what I said. Go and look up fucking David Berg. The man is like, I I'm sitting here. It's been it's been the picture on my screen. Uh, those of you watching the video can see that I've I've kept looking back at the screen, mm. and it, it's him on Wikipedia, and it's just a fucking nightmare. Yeah, we might even after, we'll see like splice it in on the screen or something. Yeah, we'll see <clears> what we can do. Yeah. We're not exactly sure what we can do with the visuals as of yet. Like, yeah. I'm sure. Look, I'm sure we kind of know we can, but it's a matter of finding out how. Can we? Yeah, like. Are we capable ourselves? As human beings, yeah. Yeah, as um, individuals. Yeah, so I mean, the fact that there's still probably 20,000 of these people out here that are following yeah. this doctrine that went off uh, Moe's letters written by a drunk guy for 20 years. Yeah. Maybe you're one of them. Yeah. Maybe you're not, hey? Exactly. There, uh, listen to that as well. There's a good few similarities um, between the People's Temple. I forgot to tell one story. He yeah, like uh, well, I just want to put in sorry oh, before yeah, you oh, get to. Are you still? No, no, no. I'm I'm finished. But I just wanted to say, like, I think this show is a lot about cults. The fact yeah. that we could have picked any two cult, or any four cults, and two of them that we picked are almost identical in terms of leadership. Yeah, um, and that they're both socialists. Um, if that's not that's the, the main issue going, here. Yeah, for those sense. of you listening that might be holding socialist beliefs, hey ho, you're in a cult. Watch out. Um, <laughs> the guy actually looks a bit like uh, Slavoj Cusack or yeah. whatever his name is. Um, but yeah, your man, Jim Jones, he didn't have many friends as a child because he would lure his child, the children in his neighbourhood, when he was a child as well, into his barn, lock the door and start <laughs> preaching. Start preaching. This man, like, like, he did terrible things, but at a, in a way you got to respect the hustle. But yeah, he'd lock the door and he wouldn't open it until he'd finished his, pre- uh, his preaching. And at one point, it went overnight or something. And one of the kids, this is not 100% like definitely the case. It was like a, uh, it was a statement from someone in the documentary. But said one of the friends said he was lured in and after a few hours, he goes, I have enough of this. He walked at the door and he walked, he so he ran out the front door. He turned around and Jim Jones is there with his father's pistol. And he tried to shoot him. And so he ran away. And uh, like, He was a very intense preacher, that's what we'll say. Yeah. Um you probably know he probably know him to see. He's famous for his slicked back black hair and his sunglasses. Um but yeah, a very full on individual. Um, yeah, he he doesn't look as whack as Davy, but no, no, not definitely not. But he's there, there. Uh, will we head on to the next one, though? Next cult. Yeah, I think so. We're way further into this than I thought we'd be with two. Like we've only touched on two, and yeah. we're already forty-three, forty-four minutes in. <laughs> um, um, what? Uh, what was the other one you said you were going to talk about? Uh, Heaven's Gate. Yeah, okay, we'll go with that. We'll see if we'll get to Scientology. I mean, 
like Scientology could almost take its own just because yeah. it's such a a, a well known one and, and it's, there's mm. more to probably unpack to give people an yeah. idea of what it is but anyways go on yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do 10 minutes and you can do 15 minutes or whatever and then we'll be on to the hour 15 and we're, we're golden so or right. just yeah go get through the story and we'll see where we're going don't put any time limits on to yeah. fuck alright <clears throat> so Heaven's Gate was a cult founded in 1974 by Bonnie Nettles that's her real name another hilarious name and Marshall Applewhite another hilarious name so uh, they're both born uh, Bonnie was born in 1927 uh, Marshall in 1931 and they both wait sorry before you move on I've searched up Jim Jones here on Wikipedia do you know what his child's name is there's a few yeah Stephen Gandy Jones (laughs) (laughs) oh there's some awful bad names oh my god wait I'm just looking up there's none as hilarious as, as Stephen Gandy Jones. And he's the only biological child. And the adopted black son got, was Jim Jones Jr. Yeah. And everywhere he went, he'd be like, not this is Jim, or this is Junior, this is my adopted black son. <laughs> <laughs> what? Your man did a, an interview. And he was like, I wasn't his son. I wasn't Jim Jr. I I was his adopted black son, <laughs> not his son. Oh my god! But yeah, he wanted to have um, like a rainbow, a rainbow family is what he called it. So he got if he if he was able to, he would have had every nationality in this house. He didn't even really care about them. He just wanted them as trophies, basically. That is absolute. Oh my! I I was uh, sorry for interrupting, but Stephen Steve. fucking Gandy Jones, man. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite were the leaders of this cult, and they both met after each of their marriages um, fell apart. So Marshall Applewhite, his marriage fell apart because he was a college or a high school uh, music teacher, and he was caught having an affair with one of his male students. And then Bonnie, I don't know what happened to her. She's a bit of a crackpot anyway. She used to go out in the garden with her daughter looking for UFOs to take them away. As you do. Fair enough. But yeah, the these guys, when they got together, they were, like, sort of, I don't know, did they actually marry or They weren't going out because I think he was gay, uh, Marshall, but he, sex was a no-go in this cult. Um, but yeah, they went around preaching this and... Preaching their faith. I'll get into what exactly they're talking about. But they started off in Christianity. And they said that they were the two... The the two witnesses in the book of Revelations. That um, I'm not sure exactly what happened. But they... In the the Bible what happened was... These two people were witnesses to something or other. I'm not sure. They were killed. And so then they ascended to heaven. So then they said they descended onto earth again in these earthly disguises in order to, you know, bring the people back. So the central belief of the group was that the followers could transform themselves into immortal extraterrestrial beings by rejecting their human nature and they would send to heaven or the next level or the evolutionary level above human. So this was all good until Bonnie Nettles died of brain cancer and the followers went, 
Why is her body still here? I thought she was going to be taken off by UFO. Because that's what they were saying. And then your man, Marshall Applewhite. They went by T and Doe. So Marshall was Doe and Bonnie was T. So they're just going by like complimentary names. So like, uh, you know, Doe, Mi, Fa, Sola, T, Doe. That's and, fucking stupid. And stuff like um, Bo and Peep. As in Little Bo Peep. Really cringy stuff, but... So yeah, they were talking about this. And then after Bonnie died, everyone was like, well, why is her body still here on Earth? And he goes, oh, um, when I said UFO, I actually meant um, like uh, your body's a vessel and um, you just um, you just go up. That's, you leave your body, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That was grand. Um, so yeah, they said that the bodies were merely a container or a vehicle for the soul and that when they died, their consciousness will be transferred to the new level bodies. So, there wasn't much in the way of, I won't be going into too much of what they did, because um, there's videos online of his preaching, of his sermons. Sermons, they're, firstly, uh, you should probably look at a picture, the fella, his sermons, He I watched some of them, and he stares, and he's like, he's like this, literally. He doesn't blink for like five minutes at a time. Wait, what was the guy's name again? Um, Marshall Applewhite. But yeah, basically, uh, let's see, do I have anything else to add here? Oh, I did see pictures of this guy before. Yeah, they're very, they're very common. You probably know it from any like YouTube video on like cults. He's there. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, one thing that Marshall did as well, he. <clears throat> he urged or he sort of tried to persuade his followers to get castrated because he was having a hard time not having sex with men so he said I'm going to go to Mexico and get castrated so I don't have to think about that side of things anymore so one of his other followers also got castrated Um, yeah and basically they're just preparing to to ascend so they're trying to get prepared for this so they went out on camping trips um they stayed in the forest and they got money off and um, getting rich <clears throat> Jesus. getting like um rich kids with trust funds to get into the cult and then give them all their money and all the type of stuff um and eventually they ended up getting a really big mansion, um, which is where they ended up doing the mass suicide that they happened in the end. Um, and they put a full-page ad in, like, um, it wasn't the New York Times. It was, like, a um, really famous magazine. Anyway, so when they were out camping one of the days, there was wildfires far away. And because of this, there was a red tinge to the moon. And... Marshall Applewhite goes, that's the sign, that's the sign, we have to get ready. So they went, and they wanted to coincide their mass suicide with the approach of a comet called the Hale-Bopp Comet. Um, so they got prepared, and in their uh, mansion in San Diego County, they committed suicide by eating uh, phenobarbital, which is a poison or chemical mixed with applesauce and they wash it down with vodka for good measure but the funniest thing about this 
Funny, not, not funny. as in humorous. Again, again, not funny. Funny, not as in humorous. Funny as in weird. Was they all wore identical uniforms. Which was... You say funny as in... Not funny, funny as in weird. And proceed to laugh about them all wearing you, uniforms. You'll see why. It was black shirt and black pants. And it was essential that they had black and white Nike decades. Oh, I thought you... That is... That Runners. is pretty funny. And even before they did the mass suicide, they had to wear Nike shoes because Marshall was such a big fan of Nike <laughs> that, the, that, the, that forget Jordan man, Marshall Applewhite needs that, his own brand of Nikes. Such a big um, fan of Nike, you could only wear Nike shoes, and the slogan of the cult soon became "Just Do It," but they put. His name, Doe. Just Doe. No way. <laughs> but yeah, and another thing as well. This has to be the biggest practical joke. The most dangerous well, practical joke that's ever wait. taken place. In the, part of the uniforms as well was armbands that had... This is a Star Trek reference and I don't get it, but it's funny anyway. Heaven. Is that why he, the background is like that in all his videos, the Star Trek kind of stuff? Yeah. Okay, yeah. If you look up the picture of him, uh, the first two pictures it shows is with this weird background that looks kind of Star trek Yeah. And they thought as well that they were going to be ascending into yeah. extraterrestrial form. But the armbands read, Heaven's Gate, Away Team. Which is a Star Trek reference I heard, but... That's kind of just funny. But uh, each person as well... Again... 39 people died here. This isn't funny. They, I don't get this now, but each member had a $5 bill and three quarters in their pocket. And apparently it was a humorous way to tell us that they had left the planet permanently. That's a quote from, uh, it doesn't say here, but for, from former members. And the $5 bill was for covering the cost of vagrancy laws. Oh my god, I was going to look up what does it mean, but what, obviously you have it there. What does vagrancy mean? Look that up, I don't, I'm not sure. This is terrible for the people listening on audio. It's the state of living as a vagrant, homelessness. Oh, right. And um, the quarters were for calling home from payphones. That is fucking terrible. <laughs> like... <laughs> Did they do it as a joke? Like, they said so, it as a joke. Yeah, as a joke. Sort of. The fact that you're going to kill yourself and you're like, I'm going to leave some change in my pocket as this hilarious joke. But, um, anyway, so the way they did it, if you look at the video, there's a video, I'll get into why there's a video of the whole crime scene. But each member, they did it in three days. So 15 the first day, 15 the second day, and nine the third day, including Marshall Applewith, because Bonnie Nettles is long dead by this stage. Yeah. So each once each member was dead, a living member would put would arrange the body So okay, wait. They ate the poison, chased it with vodka, and put a plastic bag over their heads and just lied down on a mattress. And then when they died, another member would take the plastic bag off, put a purple cloth over, and leave them at it. And then fifteen died the first day, fifteen the second day, and then nine the last day, and that was. Oh no! Wait, I just read this to, here. To be fair, though, like if you were brainwashed into thinking that, like it'd be such a good way to die. 
Like, yeah. obviously, these people's lives went way too soon, and, and it's terrible for families involved. Yeah. But, I mean, but, the people died, like, ecstatic and yeah. so excited at the they, idea yeah. that they were about to transcend. But they weren't like, we need to su- commit suicide. This was, we need to get into new bodies. I yeah, can't yeah. wait. But I read this quote here. I took it down. I don't know why. But in an interview with Harry Robinson, uh, yeah, that name is relevant. Two surviving members said the identical clothing was used as a uniform to represent unity. And the night decades were chosen because they got a good deal. <laughs> but anyway, but so... Um, <laughs> um, so I don't no, know. No, no, sorry. We, we've laughed so much about the two mass suicides and the one cult that we took pretty serious without laughing, bear the guy being crazy looking, was the sexual abuse one. And obviously sexual abuse is terrible. Yeah. But like... In these other two, it combined, what, 950 people die, basically. Yeah, 914, the first one, 39, originally in the mass suicide, and a few others committed suicide because they had missed the boat, and they were sad. Um, oh, that's crazy. So, yeah, the I don't know who was in charge of this, because I thought all the members died here, but after this had happened, they sent out um, packages with two videotapes, this is one with Doe's final exit. I read this already and I just thought it was a sermon, but it might it might be him dying. I'm not sure. Oh, anyway. It's a, it's a sermon. And just farewell messages from all the other group members. You can find them on YouTube, actually, the farewells. Like video farewells? Yeah, video farewells. And they're like, I'm so happy to be my new body. Jeez, how horrific is that for families? Like, Yeah. Um, was it a family-orientated kind of cult? Do not you know? really. Like it the, was individuals that kind of joined by themselves. Yeah, and um, okay. did yeah. any kids die in the thirty nine? No kids, no kids. Oh, sorry. Or the forty nine. Sorry. Yeah. So third. Yeah, thirty nine. Thirty nine. So. Sorry, apologies. Yeah. So they <clears throat> put in the videos and they put in note or letter saying we have exited our vehicles just as we entered them. And one of the guys that got these was a guy called Rio D'Angelo. And if you look up Heaven's Gate, you'll get the video. Of this guy, bald guy, goatee. He was next member, and he left. I'm not sure why. He still believed it, but he saw this and he told his boss. He's like, "Look, I need to go because there's probably 39 people dead in a house." So he went there, looked around, he got the video, which you can see online now, and then he called the called the guards, and they came around and cleaned up the scene or whatever. But. They do interviews of ex-cult members, ex-members of this cult, and they were like, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous they got to go and do yeah. it. And they're like, "Like, would you Would you do it? And they're like, mm, no, I have to spread the word now, but I missed the comment. Imagine, uh, there was one woman, her husband Yeah, it was, just shows how strong that power yeah, of brainwashing people is. Her, one woman, her husband was beside her. And the husband looked just completely not air to it. She was like, I'm so annoyed that I didn't get to do it. Oh, I'm so annoyed that I missed the comet. I could have been there. But now I just have to spread the word. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, kind of, it, it's just nuts that like, you can fall so deep into the trap yeah. that's set by these people. And like, we're not necessarily, not necessarily saying that these are massive traps. Like These people could well and truly believe what they preach. Yeah. It was 
bit by bit as well, they started as um, preaching stuff from the Bible. And, like, it's the same with all of them. Because with Heaven's Gate, they started off gradually and whatever, and um, bit by bit. It was like little nudges. It wasn't just a push off into the deep end that we're going to be extraterrestrial super beings. Uh, same with Jim Jones. He started doing good in the community and then eventually he started saying he was Vladimir Lenin incarnated again. Um, so yeah, Heaven's yeah, Gate... But I think all all of these cults go like that. Like They exponentially yeah. become crazier and crazier. Like It comes to a point where the leaders kind of see that they have all this power. Yeah. And then they're like, fuck, what? I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Um, like, it's like uh, with the children of God, like, it was a case of once uh, David Burke had that power, it, like, he could carry out every fantasy he'd ever had because he had all these people induced into a way of thinking that allowed him to have sex with whoever he wanted. Yeah. So, yeah, just to, just to finish off. Um, that happened in March 26th, 1997. 39 active members at the time died, and then there's a few suicides to f- that didn't want to miss the boat. Um, that's probably a very flippant way of saying it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but like, it's flippant to us, but to those people who did it, like, that was the they're best all in, like, yeah. yeah, like, I don't know, I don't know what to think about it because obviously. It involves a, an insane amount of brainwash, but at the same time, like, I'd be in favor of people having the choice to do that. If see, that's going to sound bad because that's like obviously people commit suicide if they want to commit suicide, and it's a terrible act, and uh, the people around them suffer massively. Yeah, but in that, like, those people were dying so happy, and look. If if I could go back and change it, you know, I would. Like, I'm not saying it in a way that yeah. you know what happened was like, a good thing. Yeah, like, what could you do in that situation? Hold them against their will, so they don't kill themselves. Yeah, and maybe yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's actually a tough thing to think about. Um, but like like that, like she calls her so crazy because it it's if you're a rational person in a normal society growing up living a normal life it's crazy to think that people can yeah. believe what they believe but even what they do like yeah even this some stuff you believe and when you stop believing you realize how ridiculous the belief is and um, you kind of go mad yourself no is as that what in, you're getting at? as in like um let's say one example um that absolute cunt too smart uh, Alex O'Connor, the cosmic skeptic, he turned me vegetarian, and I used to always. What side bear? Yeah, yeah, and and then watching another one of his videos, I thought it was on a different topic. He bamboozled me. It was another vegan. <laughs> so I'm, uh, yeah, I can't look at dairy or meat the same way. And I, I, now looking at it, I used to love eating meat and drinking milk and. All that, and now I can't look at it the same way at all. I used to. Th- I, I'm thinking now, how could I ever have done that? Even though it was so second nature, and I enjoy doing it, and it was justifiable. And right, it, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna be one of the militant vegans, vegetarians, that um, is like you're disgraceful. But 
Yeah, that's like the difference between a religious person and a religious person who preaches. Yeah. Um, yeah, just along that point, if you want your mind to be ruined, watch Alex O'Connor's video. He will... Cosmic uh, Skeptic. He'll ruin you. He'll... Yeah. Um, but another thing with... Uh, like you were saying people coming away from the faith and um, thinking how could it they've thought that yeah. way with the children of God one like like I said like uh, there's over a hundred people who came away from that and killed themselves because they couldn't live with the fact that you know the way their life had been set up and the belief system that there had been put in place by that cult yeah. was this kind of end of days and they're going to be the ones that are saved and this and like when that falls apart your mind turns into a state of despair and not knowing what's going to happen. And that's like, that's one of the really dangerous things about these cults is that not only are they dangerous in that they can lead you to do things like mass suicides, but they're dangerous in that coming away from them, it can still have a massive effect on your life. They give you such a false sense of purpose. That's what overrides everything. And yeah. that's why it's so powerful. That's why you can convince 914 people to to kill themselves. But then when that's left, there's a massive vacuum and you have no hope whatsoever. Yeah. And that's the, that's the trap there. So will we get on to Scientology? We're 105 now. I don't think... It, it's probably not worth it, no? We can always use it, discuss another episode. Like, there's how many other cults that we can go through. Like, even we could, you know, talk about an episode with Scientology and Mormonism, like... They're quite similar. We and our good friend Charles Manson. And our good friend Charles Manson. He actually was an avid Scientologist. I didn't know that towards the end. Was he? Yeah, he got uh, audited. Oh, for, yeah. Like, 100 and something hours or something. That's like, pretty whack. Yeah. He probably needed all that time. The prison guard said that he was actually a changed man. It did him good. Uh, they audited him. Yes, maybe Scientology is a good thing. <laughs> tune, in, tune in next week to find out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we'll definitely do another episode on cults because, like, like that's three topics. Yeah. Like the three took up well over over an hour. Yeah, and another three, three probably as big ones would take up the same amount of time. Yeah. So I don't think there's any point in rushing in Scientology now. Like it's pretty interesting, and we could flesh it out a fair bit. There's no need. Yeah, um, I suppose on um, to summarize. One thing that was common in all the cults was a control of sexual tendencies and behaviours. Yeah. And in Heaven's Gate, it was... But the thing with that as well is they're all religious cults based off Christian beliefs. No. Yeah, yeah they started as their yeah, roots yeah. in it. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's a kind of... Like, all these cults have a link to religion, and a lot of cults do. So, I mean, that gap between uh, religion and, and a cult is is an interesting line. And I, it's, some may say, it's a fine enough line. Some may say that a cult becomes a religion after a thousand years or whatever. Yeah, Once yeah. enough time passes. Because one big draw to cults as well, for someone that believes in Christianity or whatever, is that... They can be one of the apostles. Yeah, yeah. They can be... It's a more... It gives you more purpose than yeah, your average religion. Yeah, like might. you look back on the Bible and you think, how could these have persecuted Jesus and the, the disciples? If I was there, I would have believed them. Yeah. Then they get their chance because Jesus has come down for a second time. 
Who would have guessed it? Yeah. He said he would, so... And his name is It's Jim only Jones. right. <laughs> and um, his name is... Fucking... Oh, I can't think of it. Yeah, I was going to look at Stephen Gandy Jones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed this uh, first yeah. video episode. Um, I'm not sure. There's probably parts in that where those listening to the audio alone might feel... Left out. I was going to say left out, but at the same time... They're not kids who are going to be crying about being left out. Like, it might just sound weird. But, um, watch the video. Uh, yeah. So, this is going to be our first video. We're going to put it up on YouTube. We'll probably put up the whole uh, podcast. The whole and we'll kid, also probably break it up into sections and put those up as well. So, yeah. go and follow us. Or go and subscribe to us on, actually, do you know what, on YouTube. The channel's up. There's no videos up yet. So, we'll probably get this up this will be for wednesday the first wednesday the first yeah wednesday the first of september we'll have this video up so please go and subscribe to that maybe give it a like i don't know usually youtubers and stuff say things like that because it helps the algorithm or something we're also starting a tiktok so that'll be actually do you know what on tiktok as well so that gives you plenty of avenues to reach us that's instagram twitter yeah. tiktok and youtube also email if anyone if that's any interest anyone not that i think it yeah. will be as of yet write us a letter at uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the postcode put up the postcode next yeah. Um, um yeah I, I think that's it isn't it? i suppose it is uh we sign off now so so yeah th- thank you for listening or watching or however you access the podcast all right good luck see you